Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Yes, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. It's Trey Smith. And it's your boy, Brandon Holmes. Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time, a podcast for the fans, by the fans. We are back after a crazy, crazy Mm. Saturday. I mean, yesterday's, yesterday's Saturday, Trey, was it was better than opening Saturday, in my opinion. Man, man. It, it was it was it was amazing, bro. And we're gonna get into all the week four coverage. It just seems like the season keeps getting better and better. Before we get into that, first off, I gotta say, B Holmes, because we're starting to get a lot of people who are mainly just tracking along with us on YouTube, and just want to say. Thank you so much. We love the support. Yeah. We appreciate the support. Thank Please like the videos. Subscribe to them. We we seem to be getting uh, an uptick in views on, on some of the particular ones. It's kind of hit or miss right now. But uh, that's why we're asking. If you're watching, subscribe. But I got to say something real quick. To the yeah. ones who are only seeing us on YouTube, I would highly encourage you to go find us on uh, Apple or Spotify and mm-hmm. just listen to our intro song. I oh, mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. I can't listen to our intro song, <laughs> our intro music without smiling. And if you're listening yeah. right now on one of those uh, platforms, hopefully you feel the same way. But um, before we get into everything, I do want to just say, B. Holmes, it was a busy weekend. It's you know, been we, busy we like talked. Two weeks. Man, it's, it's, it's been, been a, a whirlwind. Yeah. <laughs> we, we talked last week about um, how we've been partnering or we're entering a, a partnership with Sports Illustrated, and uh, a lot of the team sites that are powered through uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, the Fan Nation team sites powered by Sports Illustrated, where we are um, in the process. I'm pretty much already in in it. By the time this episode releases, you will be too. So there's a little teaser. Be sure to stay tuned to our social media pages. If you're on Facebook, at True Blue Pod. If you're on Insta, at Blue Blood CGT. You can find us on Twitter, at It's Trey Smith, at Real B Holmes. Yes, sir. uh, For for today, uh, which you'll be seeing come across. But, man, yesterday we had, let's see, I had the Longhorns, the Aggies, and the Razorbacks. And doing that video recap, man, That'd I'll talk about it later. But it was very hard <laughs> to stay objective. But yeah, right, I was right. able to. But we actually, I, I say all that just to say, if you want to just find a place where all of our weekly recaps are housed, we do now have a playlist on our YouTube channel called Sports Illustrated Weekly Recaps or something to that effect. Yeah, something and you'll start that. seeing... Um, all of our our game recaps posted there right now I've got last weekend's up and then today I will have 
uh, this past oh, weekend. Yeah. Um, cause man, we, we actually did the Texans Panthers Thursday night. And then, yeah. uh, the long, like I said, the Longhorns and then Aggies Razorback Southwest classic yesterday. And I do want to say this is what I've learned this past week is basically those videos just cycle through the different articles that right, get right. posted throughout the week on those sites, which I, I think is kind of cool. It's it's great exposure Super for dope, what we're man. trying to build here. Um, so we if you're, it. I mean, even so, if you're just googling Houston Texans Sports Illustrator and you pull up the Sports Illustrated Texan site and you click one of the articles, you might see my ugly mug right there at the top, <laughs> giving a recap of the game. And uh, I'm not going to speak on it right now. Uh, but by the time you're listening to this, there's a certain NFC South team you might start seeing B Holmes on. Yeah, uh, but so. that's just a little, out, man. Gonna, little, little teaser for tell, you. Man, it's, it's only been a month of podcasting and doors mm. have been opening. So we just want to thank you guys who listen to us, man, who subscribe, who share. We love the engagement on Twitter. We love the engagement we're getting on YouTube. So once again, make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share, man. Share it to some of the people you know. We know there's some college sports fanatics out there. But, man, making a me, pivot. Let me read this real quick, B. Holmes. Oh. I know. I know oh, you're yeah, ready read to read it. I just want to read this. I saw this this morning. I'm not sure if it was posted this morning or last week. I'm pretty sure it was today on okay. Apple. You know, you can leave your reviews, do ratings and reviews. And, man, this, this right. like, I don't know. This put a smile on my face. It says, the subject line says, you're not beating Bama. <laughs> Which, by the way, <laughs> you're not beating Bama. You um, already know. It says, love it. My son listens to the Blue Blood podcast for the latest highlights. Brandon and Trey make you feel like you're sitting on the couch having a conversation with them. They do play-by-play -play stats and highlights, keep us informed, even while riding in the car. It's a must listen. It's the new wave to college football commentary. And man, that's Come what we've on. been saying from day one. From day like, one. we're what you see in your group chats. We're what you see, uh, what in you're your talking at the groups, office about, <laughs> wherever. And I mean, and just a disclaimer here if you go watch our Sports Illustrated recaps, it's a totally different totally vibe. Different vibe. Totally, totally different, different vibe. vibe. My wife gave a perfect analogy. She said, the Sports Illustrated recaps are like Sunday morning service. <laughs> Trey and Brandon on the Blue Bloods podcast is like Wednesday night youth service. Yeah, it's like so youth service. You <laughs> <laughs> we can be a little bit more experimental here. <laughs> yeah. All right, B, I'm sorry. Get us, get us, get no, us man, going. Hey, that's good news, bro. We're going to celebrate, man. Life is short, so we're going to celebrate that. But, man, as we're making this pivot, we had a cool mailbag question come in. Shout out to our guy, Corey Willis, man. Yes, Corey, sir. Corey's our OG from the West Coast, man. We He's played a very big role in our life. So We go way back. We go way back with Corey. I've known Corey since I was a 16-year-old kid, man. So I've known Corey 16 years now. Um, I'm pressing up on a decade uh, and some change with wow. going back with Corey. So. He's been this, around for yeah. a minute. He's been around for a minute. So he sends us this thing in our, we have a group chat with Corey. He sends us this list like, fellas, do you agree with this? It's the uh, most electrifying uh, college football players of all time. And I want to read the list, right? So the list is number one, Reggie Bush. Number two, Michael Vick. Number three, Adrian Peterson. Number four, Bench Young. Number five, Charles Woodson. Number six, Johnny Manziel. Number seven, Lamar Jackson. Number eight, Devin Hester. Number nine, Tyron Matthew. And number 10, Ted Ginn Jr. So, interesting list, right? Interesting list. Those mm -hmm. on YouTube will probably slide it in after we write, read, uh, read over it so you guys can see it. But we felt like in this, in our group chat, we're like, there's some people 
that are left off that list that probably need to be on. And there's some people on that list that you necessarily should probably take off. So, Trey, I'm going to just – I'm going to pitch it to you right off the bat. Like, who do you feel, whether it's one, two, three, four people, shouldn't be on that list and who should they be replaced by? Okay. First off, let me just say how disappointed I am to not see three certain players. Okay. Where is Randy Moss? Where is Tommy Frazier? And where is Darren McFadden? Those those are my I I'm rocking the DMAC jersey right, right now. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening, that's what I got on. Obviously, I've got a, a a different connection and a little bit of a bias there, but I'll make an argument right now, real quick. Randy Moss, there's no reason why Ted Ginn Jr. should be over Randy Moss. Your only argument is well, he played at Marshall. Okay, go watch. Like, if we're talking most electrifying players of all time, we're basically talking about their highlight tape, correct? Right, 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 right. I mean, that's essentially, like, if we want to boil it down, we're talking about their highlight tape. You go watch a Randy Moss highlight tape, compare it to a Ted Ginn Jr. highlight tape, and and tell me that Moss should not be on this list. I'm not knocking Ted Ginn Jr. and what he did at Ohio State. I'm I'm not saying that, but, like, Randy Moss was a Heisman finalist coming out of Marshall. And here's, just in case you didn't know, had Moss stayed at Florida State, he would have done the same exact thing. Like, oh, he was on a whole nother level. And what's proof of that is his rookie year in Minnesota. So you can't use right. an argument that, oh, he played at Marshall. So that, that takes away from how electrifying he was as a player. Give me a break. So Randy Moss, in my opinion, should at least be in the top three. He should be up oh, there with yeah. Reggie, Vic, and him. That's my opinion. Now, that was right. one of the players in the heart of my childhood that like, I mean, he was it. He was the, the next he's a one. Verb. He's a verb. That's just absolutely. You've been mossed. He's a absolutely. Verb. Have you ever heard <laughs> someone say, say hey, he just got, he just got ginned. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> hey, kids still say you've been mossed. So that, that's, that's the still what they say. Right. Yeah. Kids are saying it now and they don't even know where it came from. Right. Exactly. It's exactly. its own word. Okay. My second one, Tommy Frazier. And now, granted, remember, Corey did say the kicker is... You have to be alive to see them play. You have to be alive to have seen them play. And so, for me, I went with Tommy Frazier, the former Nebraska uh, quarterback, just because that's the first player that, like, I really remember watching. And, Mm -hmm. like, like, I, I mean, gosh, I had to have been seven six seven no seven or eight somewhere in there six seven eight I think like six seven eight years old was when like it's crazy it was like it was when I was the age of my daughter now and I like vividly remember looking forward to watching Nebraska play so I could watch Tommy Frazier he was on the cover of NCAA football 97 I believe it was um for Sega Genesis I had that but he he had one of to me one of the greatest runs of all time it was either in the orange bowl fiesta bowl whatever whatever uh bowl they beat florida um where he like it's like he broke the entire team's tackle and then ran (laughs) you know all the way down the field now the argument you can make against him was he did miss a lot of time because i think it was like blood clots in his leg so he there was one season where he was um he was sidelined for a lot of the year but Mm -hmm. to me He's got to be on here somewhere. I mean, I feel like I could make an argument to put him on this list over Devin Hester. Be- not not taking away from Devin Hester, but if you look at his college career, I mean, he has that one viral punt return, yeah, I think, against Duke. But, like, 
if we're looking at the entire body of work, in my opinion, like Tommy Frazier should be on here over him. And then my last one, like I said, was Darren McFadden. Yeah. Darren McFadden got hosed out of a Heisman Trophy. And in my opinion, twice in a row. The first one was with Troy Smith. And McFadden had just ran through the SEC all season long. This was when the Wildcat came on the scene yep. and went to an SEC championship game. If not for a true freshman trying to fair catch a punt on the goal line, Arkansas wins that game against Florida. Remind you, that Florida team absolutely destroyed Ohio State that year. Yep. To me, Darren McFadden should have won the Heisman that year. And then, and so let's say you don't give it to him then, the next season when Tebow won it, McFadden ran for 321 yards against Steve Spurrier's South Carolina team, and Spurrier still did not give McFadden the vote. And that, to me, I mean, you know, it's it's a little Heisman fraternity. He gave it to right. his Gator boy. I mean, I get all that, but, like, you can't look me in the eye or any true college football fan in the eye and tell me that Darren McFadden should not have a Heisman trophy right now. I'm not saying give him both of them, but what I'm saying is, is one of those two years – he deserved it. And right. he's back-to-back Doak Walker Award winner and really put Arkansas like on the like on the SEC map if yeah. you really want to think about it. I mean like not that they hadn't been to an SEC championship, but I mean like college game day came to Fayetteville right. Right. when McFadden was there. I mean he he really had us on the SEC national landscape map and what he did for the university and what he did in my opinion for college football because then Shortly after that, you see uh, Ronnie, was it Ronnie Brown in Miami? Yeah, yeah. Going off, running in the Wildcat. I mean, right, like. Right, right, right. Well, he was at Auburn. He got drafted. No, no, no. But when he went to the Dolphins. Oh, yeah, when he went to the Dolphins. Okay, I'm saying it you. transferred yeah, yeah. to, it transferred yeah. It transferred to like, NFL. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So, and, and McFadden was the catalyst for all that. So, in my opinion, I, I, I could make an argument to put him on here over the Honey Badger, which, don't get me wrong, the Honey Badger was electrifying. electrifying he was a great LSU. player, um, especially that 2011 season. But again, if I'm looking at the body of work, and of course, I've got some hog bias here. Those are my three that I believe should be on there. So I'm done with that. It's all hmm. you. So I was, I've been in, in, in flux about three to two people, right? So since you went three, okay. I'll go three. I think I could have just leaned two. Um, so obviously, Ted Ginn, nothing because he's an Ohio State guy. He was amazing at Ohio State. And I'm not putting him on there. You already said Randy Moss. Um, but here would be my third, and it's because he's most recent. I would say Christian McCaffrey. Now, he fell into the Pac-12 bias because it's late night. Most people aren't staying up to watch Stanford. But, man, Mm. I don't think people really realize, unless you're a true college football fan, how great Christian McCaffrey was at Stanford. I mean, the dude was running in a pro-style, run-heavy offense. You knew what was coming, and, I mean, it was explosive. He was one of the few players I remember, like, if he gets the ball in his hands, you're unsure if – you're going to yeah. stop him. And there's yeah. a very small group collect- collective of college football players that had you on edge like, let me see what happens when the ball touches his hands. I believe Reggie Bush was that guy. Like yes. You were like, you 100%. held your breath when the ball got into his hands. And I've, I believe Christian McCaffrey had that at Stanford. Obviously, I believe if he goes to a more 
productive or talent-based program. Maybe the profile's a little higher, but to see what he did at Stanford and to see how electrifying it is, and I'm just going to say, man, the guy's a white running back. So, like, I think that just added to it as well, man, where people were just like, oh, my God. And man, and, yeah. and we and we see that it wasn't just like a, a gimmick in college. We see what he's doing in the pros. So we see yes. it translated over really well. Um, And I dare I say he kind of like started transforming this like running back position over the last four to five years where mm. you're not just a runner. You got to be a, pa- a playmaker out of the backfield. Like now mm. we know we are kind of started trending that way with the spread offense. But I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey really kind of started changing that in the NFL because when he was getting drafted coming out of Stanford everyone's like oh what what is he going to do in the NFL you know he's not a downhill running back because you remember that was Reggie Bush's whole play is he going to be a downhill and I think by the time he kind of got to the NFL it became it was more acceptable based upon what he did was if we're going to spend a high draft pick on this guy we need to figure out how to maximize his skill set and you become now a playmaker out of the backfield not just a running back so I like Christian McCaffrey there here's a name man only true college football fans, I think, will believe. And if we're going off electrifying, this means highlight tapes. Highlight tapes, right? Yeah. Go YouTube, and this is my guy, Tavon Austin. Ooh, yeah. West Virginia. West Virginia. Ooh, now, yes. now, Tavon, shout out to Tavon. He's actually running a sports camp down in Fort Myers, Florida. He's back home. Um, and it's funny because he was coming in after me. He was like a senior after I graduated. He had just moved to Prosper, Texas, was supposed to play. The whole thing with Dion ends up going back home. But if you go look at that man's highlight tape, Tavon Austin is probably one of the most electrifying players that has ever played college football. The dude's a human highlight reel. I don't I like think it. I need to say a lot about him. Like, just go look at the highlight tape. I get it. He played in Morgantown at West Virginia. Not a big program, you know. Um, what's unfortunate, he came off the back end of the Rich Rod era. I believe if Rich Rod never leaves West Virginia, Tavon gets a little bit probably more hype than he deserved. I mean, than he than he received. Because you remember, he was coming off the tail end of the Steve, uh, what is it, uh, the Slayton, Steve, what is it, um, what's the guy's name? What's his? Pat White. Pat, Pat White and Slayton, yeah. that, that whole era, which was an amazing era at West Virginia. And I believe that's why Tavon was going to West Virginia. I mean, that was an offense that was electrifying, that would have showcased his talents. Rich Rod had West Virginia humming where it wasn't about size, it was about speed. Those dudes were just going to run you off the field. And um, yes. so I think I think, I think think uh, Tavon could sneak on that list. And my last but not I least. Think, real quick, I think it was Noel Devine was the prosper kid. Noel Devine was the prosper kid. You're right. You're but right. Ta- but, yeah. but 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 Tavon right. Austin was still in the same era that you're the, the time frame you're referring to. That's but, right. Noel Devine. And he's is the, the one whose highlight tape I I I yeah. couldn't agree more with him. Noel Devine's highlight tape list. is great too. You know, because him and Tavon are almost like the same player. I think Tavon's a little bit better. You're right. No Noel Devine is yes. the guy from Prosper. My my apologies. And he's running a camp at Fort Myers, Florida. Because I just saw him like a month ago. So, but Tavon, <laughs> Tavon is that guy. Go look at Tavon Austin's highlight reel if you don't believe me. And my, my last guy would be, um, man, the man himself, Cam Newton, bro. Oh, I don't yeah. understand how you don't put Cam. Let me put it like this: Cam yeah. Newton single-handedly won the national title in his only year as a starter at <laughs> Auburn. At Auburn. <laughs> 
Now, the year I don't think only one person on that team goes to the NFL besides Cam, which is Nick Fairley. He was drafted by my Detroit Lions. Um, we thought we were getting a steal, and he like flamed out on his rookie contract. Um, but he made it to the big leagues. But the next year, I think that team at Auburn goes like they only win like three games, maybe four. And it was like Cam Newton was must see TV, must see like and every and I remember that year because everybody kept going. It's a gimmick. They're going to figure it out. There's no way he can take Auburn to the national title game. And he willed a team through the SEC gauntlet. Like, yes. I don't think people understand how good the SEC was in yes. that era. There was no playoff. It was just the BCS. The top two teams are going to play for the national title. And he will. Because I think what is the Bama game? He was, like, behind at halftime. Yeah, 21 points. And will I mean that was an amazing game. So I, I believe you put Cam Newton off the list just off the strength that hey man, he won a national title by himself. By himself. I've never yes. seen a player do that in college football ever. Like ever. Every well, other guy on this list had a good team around him. Well, just to kind of support what you're saying, I just looked it up. First off, Bama won the national championship in 09, 11, and twelve. Okay. So so I pretty sure yeah because ohio state didn't win. yeah so they were were 11 because they beat lsu and i think 12 they beat notre dame so basically 9 11 and 12 so 10 was cam in those three seasons so the season before cam got there and the two seasons after cam had left the auburn football team won a combined 19 games so in three seasons 19 games wow. in cam's one season there they won 14 so that <laughs> I mean, numbers don't lie. So numbers don't lie. He he should have been on that man. So th those are my top three. I'm going Christian McCaffrey. I'm going Tavon Austin. And I'm going Cam Newton. All right. Well, that's. I mean, hey, we'd love to hear your uh, feedback on that. This will probably be its own video on YouTube. So go ahead oh, and leave us in the comments, man. Tell us who who do you think should who be on believe? the list, or who should be left off, or do you disagree with us? Disagree with us. Go ahead, but you better have a good <laughs> argument, or we're going to come for you. So let us know what you think and what your thoughts are. All right, let's transition be into a new segment we're going to start doing. You notice we're, we've been kind of kicking this thing around. One, one week we did a, a national... Uh, a score report. The next week we did a top 25 score report. Well, we've honed it down. My cousin Alicia, shout out to Alicia. She gave shout us some feedback Alicia. on Twitter. She really enjoyed the little OU take from last week. Right. And she said, man, it'd be cool if y'all did a take like this for all the top 25. And so I thought, okay, well, let's kick that around. And we've instead of going through the whole top 25, what we're going to start doing after our mailbag segment B. Holmes is each week we're going to give our CFP plus two. So who's your college football playoff right now? And then who are your next two in? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so some weeks this segment can probably get long winded than others, but um, especially as we start getting later in the season. But right. for now, um, I'm going to kick this one off. Let's go for it, man. Okay. So my first, Obviously, top two. I think universally right now in the college football world, everyone probably has the same top two, and that's Bama and Georgia, right? Hands down. It should be. It should be. It, yeah. So Bama and Georgia. Now, if we were to see how this plays out or talk how we think it plays out, I would put Georgia at four because I think they will lose to Bama in the SEC championship. Right. But for right now, I'm going to go Bama, Georgia, 
Penn State, Oregon. So okay. that's that's my, you know, to use March Madness terminology, bracketology. That's my first four. Like that's my my those are my top one seeds basically on the bracket. My next two in as of right now today. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. The Arkansas Razorbacks, mm-hmm. who I believe, yes, that's a bias, but I believe have earned that. Yeah. Beating two top 15 teams in the last four weeks, mm-hmm. including the big one over number seven ranked AM yesterday, which we're going to get to in a second. And then my next team, it, it really kind of pains me to say this. And I'm I don't know that they've earned it yet, but I think they're going to. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's Ole Miss. Oh, I did not see that one coming. I think Ole Miss right now today beats the breaks off Iowa, beats the breaks off Notre Dame, and some of these other teams that are ranked ahead of them. I think mm. Ole Miss is going to be a problem this year in the SEC. And this is coming from a fan who even when Arkansas is horrible, I can look at the schedule and go, well, we got Ole Miss. We're probably still going to beat them. Because even in right. this stretch of years where we've been really bad, we've been really good against Ole Miss. Exactly. Just the glimpses I've, I've watched of them play this year. And look, they, nice. they haven't really gotten to – they hadn't played anybody yet if we really want to call it what it is. I do think right. Louisville is a lot, a lot better than what people are giving them respect for. Um, so I would, I, would, I would say that's a quality win. But that defense, if they can just not be horrible, they're going to be a problem this year. Now, Bama may very well beat the brakes off of them next week when they they have their big matchup. But right now, today, I've got Bama, Georgia, Penn State, Oregon as my playoff teams. And then uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss is my next two in. I like that. I like that. So we're practically almost the same besides one team. So obviously my top four um, and guys we didn't even like collude on this we didn't even talk about it so we had no, no. clue um but my first four definitely is going to be bama uga i think they're great oregon as long as they went out penn state if they went out um and after mm-hmm. watching the big 10 yesterday i think some teams got some reality checks i think some teams figured out some stuff they got to go on and i have to be unbiased and say penn state probably looks like the most complete team and they're running on a high right now they've won some pretty big games early um, then my mm. next two in would be Arkansas, man. Like you said, man, two big wins. I watched, I had that game on my, so, you know, there's the big screen TV, then there's oh, my yeah. MacBook, then there's my iPad. Um, so they were on my MacBook screen. They were on the MacBook screen yesterday, man. And they played a good game, man. They played a good game, got out early on a A&M and it was one of the bold things we, we kind of predicted. We'll talk about that later. And this, my next pick, you're not going to like it. I don't even like it. Um, I was like on the fence about it and I was just thinking about the whole CFP in its entirety, you know, the SEC bias sometimes. And I was mm. like, man, if this team, this was a real challenge for them yesterday. I mean, it might be that I haven't looked the rest of the schedule. I would need to look. Um, but it'd be Notre Dame. We just got to be honest, man. Okay. It's, it's, it's a team. And it, here's what I'll say, and we're going to actually talk about them later. But I think, you know, we, we, said, we said it on previous episodes, man. If they went out and they claw their way to some victories, the national brand, the money grab alone is always going to have them in the conversation because they're independent. They kind of get to schedule their schedule how they schedule it, and it kind of works out for them. And, I mean, they're still undefeated. They've won some. They've won two pretty big games early in the year. Um, you mm. can't take, you know, at the end of the day, however they won, they won. A W is a dub. Um, and they did what they were supposed to do. Like now we can sit here and debate about how it looked. Was it sloppy? Was it clean? You can, 
Um, but I'm also never. It doesn't matter with Notre Dame. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They They just have to win. They just have to win. Um, and looking around, I mean, you know, they have a potential top five pick on defense and Kyle Williams. Mm. They got some, Mm. they got some playmakers, man. And I'm going to tap a little bit on this later, but, um, with their quarterback situation, I I think they can still, um, I think their offense is going to look a little bit better in the upcoming weeks, but that would be my top six right now. If I just had, okay. So we're pretty much even, except for I've got Ole Miss as my next one. You've got Notre Dame as your next one. Absolutely, your 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 six team in. Okay, That's probably going to change next week. So, <laughs> yeah, right. It'll change every week. That's the beauty of the segment. Well, um, all right. Let's get into. We're in week four, right? I mean, we're it's in week four. Week man, four. It's a beautiful it's flying thing. By. It's flying so, by. So y- y'all know how we do our recap for the week. We go bold prediction, which. Follow us on Instagram at BlueBloodCGT. Uh, you can see our bold predictions. We always get those up there Saturday morning. And then, uh, so we recap that. We go over our weekend surprises and then our overrated. Doom, 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 doom. Let's go. Okay. So I'll start with bold prediction. Then you take it and we'll just kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll kick it back and forth. So my All first right, bold prediction it. were the Baylor Bears over Iowa State. Um, Sick them. Iowa State, Cyclone Nation, I'm going to get to you a little bit. I'm going to get to you in just a little bit. And if you've just recently started listening, like you, I would encourage you to go hear our first episode, kind of hear about uh, some history between me and the Iowa State fan base. But I'm, I got something for you in just a they second. They love Trey Smith out of names. But, <laughs> love but let's, names. let's talk about the Baylor Bears for a second. Led by Jerry Bohannon who, mind you, is a Arkansas kid, okay? Oh, okay, I didn't know he that. He grew up, played his in Earl, Arkansas. Um, Bielema didn't really recruit him, and then Morris got hired and wasn't able to bring him over, uh, you know, wasn't able to get him from, I guess, I think Matt Rule was the one that ended up getting him to Baylor. Okay. Uh, he's coach. leading that team. I'm going to go ahead and say that's a sneaky team to watch in the Big 12 or the Baylor oh, Bears, yeah. man. Um, they've, they've sent, you know, obviously Matt Rule left and it looked like the, the, the sky was falling and, man, they're, they're, they're getting things back in gear. And uh, they just they took care of Iowa State. They got a big win. And I, I believe Baylor deserves to be in the top 25 this week. Oh, yes. And then, you know, I got to go here. So Come on, I got man. the jersey on <laughs> yesterday. Jerry World, AT&T Stadium, Southwest Classic. I did a game recap, but I had to stay objective. I had to stay very news anchory. Right now, this is the podcast. I'm about to let it all out that the Arkansas Razorbacks <laughs> finally, for the first time in a decade, beat the Aggies, top seven team, the number seven ranked team, brought it to them. Our defense looked like we had Calzada uh, and Jimbo Fisher basically chasing their tails all afternoon. It's a great game. Okay, Barry Odom is a legend in my book. He came in <laughs> with a game plan like he does every single week, stifled the offense with other than one breakdown, which was the Isaiah Spiller 67-yard touchdown run. Other than yeah. that, they were clueless offensively. Offensively for the Razorbacks, if you watch that first half, we looked like the 2013 Baylor Bears, baby. It was a, it was a veer and shoot clinic. KJ Jefferson found Traylon Burks for an 85-yard one over the it's top. Then he found AJ Green on a wheel route. Freshman running back AJ Green on a wheel route who just bounced off AM defenders, ran for I think a 38-yard touchdown a uh, a catch and run. Here's what I'm gonna say. Okay. Arkansas 
goes to Athens, Georgia next week. Game day. I think you guys got game day. Play the number two team in the country. And one of the best defenses, not just, obviously, they're the, in my opinion, the best defense in the country right now, but potentially one of the best college football defenses of all time when it's all said and done. Objectively speaking, I do not believe the Arkansas Razorbacks will win that game. Okay, we talked about in one of our previous mm-hmm. episodes, there's four types of fans, right? There's the eternal optimist, pessimist, yep. there's the realist, and there's the delusionalist. So the realist in me right now objectively does not believe Arkansas beats the Georgia Bulldogs. But here's what I'm going to say. If Georgia thinks this is the same old Razorback team of recent history, and they think they can just roll out of bed, show up, and put it on us, they've got another thing coming. Because this team is coming down to Athens to hit. They're coming down to bring a physical brand of football. We will run the ball. We will establish our identity, and if Georgia's just rolling out of bed, not prepared, I'm telling you right now, they've got something. They, they, they better be looking over their shoulder just a little bit, going, these dudes might come come to town and, and shock the world. And I'm not yeah. saying that's going to happen, but if Georgia, for whatever reason, can't get themselves up and can't get themselves prepared because they're so used to the Razorbacks just being this team that, you know, as some would say, have been the whipping boy of the SEC, get ready. Because like Barry Odom says, we're going to run and hit on you. And we're coming down to Athens to make some noise. And here's what I know. Is that when you've got the entire state, like Sam Pittman says it all the time, Arkansas (laughs) is a proud state. They are. And when you've got the pride of the entire state behind this football team, it does something to the team. It it it's almost like it's a it's a superpower. It's a magic power that is injected into the team when they know they're carrying the pride of the entire state. And I'm just telling you, when that's the case at the University of Arkansas, no one on the schedule is safe. Now, objectively, I do believe Georgia wins that game. Okay. But also objectively, it's going to be a lot different game, in my opinion, than what most people think it's going to be. Arkansas is coming to town to win that game. They're not coming to town to get a moral victory, to play them close, to hopefully just compete. Sam Pittman has established a culture right now that those Razorback players are preparing this week, not thinking, oh man, we got to play Georgia. They're going, Georgia's got to play us. And when you can get that mentality on your team, you know just as well as I know, Brandon, that's a dog mentality. And that's that's what Arkansas has been missing for the last several years. And you know, B, just as well as I do, that if you want to get a dog mentality on a roster that's not there, what do you got to do? You got to go find some dogs. And that's what Sam Pittman has done in a short amount of time. And he's compared it with the talent that was already there. He's united the locker room. And I'm just saying, I'm not saying we win the game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but if we go in there and shock the world and beat the number two team on the road this week, you heard it here first. That's why. It's because we've got that dog mentality. We've got mm-hmm. the pride of the entire state of Arkansas. And when you've got those two things combined with this particular team, no team is safe. That's it. it That's my spiel. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game, man. I mean, Georgia's defense has been impeccable, but man, I watched you guys like thoroughly throughout the whole game yesterday and I was thoroughly impressed. Like, I mean, I've checked in on you, but this year, that yesterday, I was like, "Oh man, like this is a good team, man!" And it's a mm. sneaky good team. Like it's a team you think, "Ah, it's Arkansas," but then you watch them play, and they play hard. They play physical. I'm I'm interested to see what that happens, man. Next week, I'm gonna go into my bold, uh, my bold prediction. So I had two. Uh, my first one was NC State over Clemson. 
we texted about that earlier in the week and you were like really and i was like yes i like it it's a it's a um i it's a it's an away game for Clemson. Clemson looks shaky, but what most people don't understand there's a there's a beef between I think it's Dave Duerson. I don't know if I'm pronouncing mm. pronouncing his name right, but the NC State head coach and Dabo, and uh, it, it goes back to like 2019. Like um, you know Dabo's winning. It's they're winning by like 31 points, and so NC State like uh, punts the ball and Dabo goes and runs the score up, and so mm. like before he does it. Uh, Durson calls a timeout to give him time to really like, think about it. Yeah, Doran. Excuse me, Doran. Durson uh, was the yeah. Doran, man, I, I butcher former NFL name. player. No, yeah, it, but that is a player. That is that <laughs> yeah. is an actual person. You're good. So, so um, he calls a timeout to give Dabo time to think about it. And Dabo comes out the timeout and still runs the score up. And so there's like this aggressive handshake after, you know, obviously the media mm. plays up and Dabo's yes. like, you know, I'm just trying to run back with my team. There was, you know, it wasn't. And, but Doran, man, like has really held on to that. He's like, and I don't think they played last year. So this was the first time since that interaction that they're playing each other. And I knew it. I've been watching. If you guys have been listening since week one, I've not been high on Clemson this year. I have it's not true. been high on Clemson. I have not been high on Clemson. I'm looking at them, and I'm like, okay. And then you got this NC State team who's been sneakily playing pretty well. And mm. I think it, unless you're a big college football fan or you pay attention to a certain, every region, you don't understand. NC State's a hostile environment to play in. Like, it's not a rollover yes. program. You don't just walk into NC State and think, oh, man, we're going to win this game. It's an actually hostile environment. And obviously mm. they get overshadowed because they're down the road from Duke, they're down the road from North Carolina, they're down the road from Wake Forest. So you kind of get lost in the shuffle. But I right. saw that coming, man, and they played them tight. And, man, it seemed, and this is what I believe Clemson is missing, it seemed as the game got tighter, the team played tighter. Dabo's been mm. known to have his guys loose. Like, that's his yes. thing. We're going to play loose. We're going to have fun. We're going to go out and play football, backyard football. It's like playing with your boys in the street. And they look yes. tight, man. And they mm. don't look like I, – I, and I was watching that game. I kind of had it on the iPad. And, um, man, they just don't look as athletic as they've always looked. Like, they just kind of look like a shell of themselves. And I think, man – it's allowed other teams the early down in Georgia, we kind of gave it a caveat because Georgia's like the number two team in the country. We're like, yes. okay, fine, whatever. But then like we watched them play the other week and I was just like, I think they just showed the world that they're not as talented as they once have been. And I was They can't just line up Jones and beat the guy in front of them anymore. They they can't and the offense hasn't developed. Like it and and Bomani Jones from ESPN, I was reading him on Twitter yesterday, and he and he made a good point. He's like, Oh, this has been the problem since Tasha was around. Like, mm. they've just always trying to roll their dudes out. My dude can beat your dude. But the mm. offense hasn't evolved. And then David Pollock made a good point, and I agreed. He goes, he goes, I've been saying it for 18 months. Trevor Lawrence, freshman year, is no different than Trevor Lawrence, junior year. And we're mm. talking about who's probably one of the greatest quarterback prospects to come out of college football in a long time. Looked mm. really no- – and then when I – so I went and started looking at games, and I was like, he's true. Like, there, there was no, like – there, so I'm saying also to say I don't think Clemson develops talent really well. Mm. These guys just win off straight athleticism, and I don't think they got the guys to do mm. that anymore. And I think the rest of the the rest of the country is kind of catching up and realize the gimmick's over, man. Because now in college football, everybody has talent, unless yeah. you're Bama, unless you're Georgia, like where you're just 
just bleeding five-star talent. Most right. of the time, man, most programs in Power 5 conferences is going to have a four- or five-star kid there. They're going to have a handful of high three-stars. Like, they can really, unless you're in the top echelon of college football, everybody can compete with you now for the most part. It's the, mm. the, 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 the talent disparity, the gap has kind of closed. So that was my big one. And then my second one, man, um, Wisconsin over Notre Dame. I thought they had it. I really thought they had it. And Wisconsin just shot themselves in the foot. Um, they looked mediocre. They looked, you know, in grammar. And it was a personal game because Jack Cohn from uh, Notre Dame was the starting quarterback at Wisconsin. Mm. And then they brought in Graham Mertz. He was like a four-star recruit. He's the savior. He's the new big shiny toy that comes on campus, right? This happens like every year with most programs. You get the new quarterback recruit. You want to see him. And, man, he just looked pedestrian. They couldn't get the run game going. Um, and we know Wisconsin is pretty much like we're going to run, run, play action, yeah. pass you to death. And it just exactly. didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And I think you're going to kind of touch on this soon. But, like, it was a tough game till the fourth quarter. And, I, and, the, and the game flipped for me. Uh, actually, when Jack Cohen went out and Notre Dame brought in their, their backup quarterback, Pine, who's a little bit more athletic, had a little bit mm. more shake to him, who can escape the pocket, make some plays. And um, – I'm going to say, like, Wisconsin, I think the only thing that was strong about them from what I saw yet was their linebacking core, which I, if Jack Cohn could have hit some passes, Trey, they would have blew Wisconsin out the water because mm. that backs, mm. that secondary is weak. It was just mm. like one-on-one. Jack Cohn overthrew him like, a, like at least four or five wide open or if he would have led the guy open. So I just, you know, that was my other bold prediction. I think, you know, Wisconsin isn't who we thought they were. Um, they're also yeah. a shell on themselves. And maybe, could this be, this could be the result of the pandemic, man, what has happened with a lot of these teams that allowed some teams to catch up and allow some teams to regress. And I think that's kind of what we saw. Well, that kind of segues into my uh, weekend surprise, which was Notre Dame. Two weeks ago, I hopped on here and they were on my overrated list. And deservedly so. But what I did say was that in true Notre Dame fashion, what they'll do is they'll kind of scratch and claw to these, you, did say that. you know, barely getting a victory, like a three-point win over Toledo or whatever. And then all of a sudden, they keep uh, uh, scratching out these wins. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> their confidence builds. And then the floodgates just open on somebody. And that's what right. I think we saw with Wisconsin. Now, for me, normally, you see it a little bit later in the season when you look up and you're going, oh, my goodness, Notre Dame's 8-0 all of a sudden. Well, right. um, I thought that that was a, I was surprised by that. They, they dominated that game and uh shout out to coach Brian Kelly, who passed Newt Rockney as the winningest coach in school history. I mean, that, yeah. that right there is pretty impressive. Just in today's world where it's, what have you done for me lately where you can stay at a program for as long as he has, which it's, it's, he's over a decade or he's at a decade now. Yeah. And to be able to sustain uh, a high level of success that he has. So I'm not hating on it. I mean, I just, I think sometimes my gripe is, we, we even said it earlier, where if you're Notre Dame, you usually have a season full of mid-tier conference teams. So you're, you're playing Power 5 teams, but it's usually mm -hmm. mid-tier teams from each Power 5 conference. And if you just win, like, all you have to do is win. You don't have to get style points. If you just have that 11-0, right. 12-0 record with no conference championship game pending, 
you are automatically in because you're Notre Dame. And, and I do have a little bit of a gripe with that, but even though the true pure fan in me understands why. I mean, right, it's Notre right. Dame, it's the history, it's the money, it's the just, that's a brand that you want in the college football playoff every year if you're college football. So I get it, but I, I you know, like I said, two weeks ago, I got on here and said they were overrated based off where they what they had shown to that point. But I also did speak to how I thought it might play out, and here we are kind of seeing it already starting to happen. My other surprise was Kentucky. Uh, they've sort mm. of quietly crept to a 4-0 record, and they're 2-0 mm. in SEC play. We're going to see if they're for real these next three weeks because they've got Florida, LSU, and Georgia back to back to back. And then I also wanted to highlight, I don't know if you've been on Twitter or social media, but they had a player go viral for he pushed over pushing. a team manager. Yeah, <laughs> now, now it was kind of funny, that. but then it was kind of sad. <laughs> but then I went and actually looked at the player's Twitter, and he he just was like, he said, I can't believe I went viral for that. I feel sick to my stomach. I do think on some level, now if you just watch it, it looks like he just blatantly pushed the guy. Right, but right. I do think on some level it was kind of just a reflex of he was slowing down, he was in the heat, and then and then it's just one of those reflexes that he just kind of did it, and it looks a lot worse than it probably was. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, shout out to him. And then my last uh, surprise, B. Holmes, was uh, UTSA, the Roadrunners. Come on, man. That's the University of Texas at San Antonio. San Antonio. So they've gotten off to a fast start um, for one of those group of five type teams, and they just knocked off Memphis yesterday and – they got Jeff Trailer out there who, if you don't know, if you're a listener, he's a legendary uh, Texas high school football coach. He mm -hmm. pretty much is like, I mean, a celebrity out in East Texas. I mean, that was yeah. just where he was uh, be really, really became highly esteemed, highly respected as a high school coach. Went to the collegiate level. Most recently was at uh, the University of Arkansas, actually, as a running backs coach and associate head coach. And then from there... Uh, got the UTSA job, and he's got those boys yeah, rolling. Man. And, and, and uh, former Razorback Barry Lunny Jr., uh, who actually led us to a SEC championship, our first ever SEC championship appearance um, as a quarterback, he is uh, the offensive coordinator. So I just wanted oh, to okay. shout out UTSA because they're, they're making some noise over there in East Texas. So that's my surprises. Love it, man. Man, my biggest surprise, I didn't have a ton, um, but I did want to shout this out, man, and, and it, it was hard. It was a game I watched yesterday. Um Excuse me, my biggest surprise, man, was Rutgers' tenacity, man. Rutgers, Ooh, okay. they came into the game 3-0. and um, And Greg Schiano's back at Rutgers. You know, Rutgers' legend over there, Greg Schiano. Hey, funny tidbit, I did not know this. When Lloyd Carr was retiring from Michigan, they actually offered the job to Schiano. Schiano wow. accepted it. He accepted the gig and then said, let me sleep on it. Went and thought it over, and then by the end of the day said, no, nah, I like what we're building here at Rutgers. Mm. I'm going to stick. And it, it had me thinking, like, man, what would Michigan have become if we would have got Shiano instead of um, Rich Rod? I think mm. that the, the program looks a lot different. Now you get the Michigan resources, you know. And I don't, if, unless you're a true college football fanatic, you can remember how great Rutgers was playing under Shiano. I think oh, yeah. Big East at the time, like he took a no-name program and they were competing. We five and zero. Oh? We five yeah. and zero. Oh? Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. yeah, it was a big, it was a big deal. So I was like, man, that would have actually been an amazing hire back then. Um, but we should. Mm. I, I I know that whole hire of a friend that works in the athletic department. So that's a whole different day of what happened during that era. But anyways, I want to give shout out to them, even though they played my Michigan Wolverines, we came out with a win. But this was why I was impressed with Rutgers. So we come out. 
Um, now, Michigan, we left two touchdowns on the field. We should have probably went in a half like 20. We should have probably went in a half 28 to 3 instead of 20 to 3. So, mm. but at this point, how we've been playing the last three weeks, man, we go into the half like that. We're running the ball. We're, I think our quarterback got through for 150 yards, only four incompletions. Like, I mean, we're humming. And at this point, so far, three weeks into the season, most teams know that's game over for you, baby. Like, that's game over. You might as well just come out, roll over, play dead. Let us just run the clock out, and we're going to go home and start worrying about Wisconsin. Rutgers came out playing like the game was theirs to win. Like, Mm. they came out ready to fight. And if it wasn't for... The, if it wasn't for our defense coming up with a last-minute turnover, I think they potentially could have beat us. Because here's the thing, mm. Trey. We didn't get a first down until five minutes left in the fourth quarter. We only Jeez. threw for seven yards in the second half. One first down the entire second half. So, first off, shout-out to our defense. And that probably could have been a big surprise because we got a new defensive coordinator, but I don't want to be too much of a homer. But Rutgers really played us tough, man. And they, the offensive coordinator played a good scheme. It was just like they kept Rutgersing themselves. Like they were just leaving little things. Like they weren't able to put it all together. Um, but mm. I want to give a shout out. That was a big surprise, man. Because I, I was a little uncertain about the Shiano hire. I was like, eh, you know, are we really just basking in what used to be? Are we basking on the nostalgia? Can he really? This is a new era of college football. Just because you've been mm. successful before doesn't mean you're going to be successful now. And um, right. I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to come out and say it. He's going to be successful at Rutgers, man. He's, mm. he's building a fence around the Jersey quarter up here. Like the bet, and Jersey has a lot of good football talent. It's just a small state. If you go to Jersey, you need to stay at Rutgers. He's going to attack the DMV area. There's a lot of good football talent in the DMV, and I and, and I think um he's gonna he's gonna shock a lot of people. I think the only thing that's going to hurt him is he's on the wrong side of the conference division lines. If he's right. on the other side, I think Rutgers really is would really do some damage. Yeah. But like if he's over there with I, Minnesota, I like, Nebraska, and all those yeah, guys. Iowa, yeah, Iowa, those guys. I think he within the next two to three years they're competing at least going to the Big Ten championship game. But the fact mm. is, you're on the side with Michigan. Michigan State, Ohio State, that's going to be a hard division to win. Um, but they're going to shock a lot of people. So that was my biggest surprise, man. It wasn't the same old Rutgers. This is a new day. It's a new dawn. And Shiano has those boys ready to play, man. Man, good stuff. Well, uh, in fact, I, I think that for our pregame video next Saturday, it, we need to go find that old Rutgers where we 5-0. and oh, You <laughs> remember the one right? he's at? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, oh, yeah. Um, so we'll find that. And that'll be our, by the way, follow us. I'm telling you, we do, we do some fun stuff on uh, our Insta all throughout the week, really, but especially on Saturday mornings before game time gets going at blue blood CGT. Okay. uh, Overrated. Um, Real quick. Neither of us are going to speak on OU or Clemson. We already talked about them being overrated a week ago. (laughs) So everything they just showed this past weekend, we already were ahead of the curve on. So go listen to last week's episode. If you want to hear us sound off my overrated, and I've been waiting for this moment since we started this podcast. The Iowa State Cyclones are <laughs> overrated. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> overrated. And I'm going to tell you what, B. Holmes. You remember, they came for me on Twitter they, a month no, ago. They did. They were they feeling did. good about themselves. They so were. all I did is I went back to the same thread where they were just ripping me apart for trying <laughs> to advocate for my hogs. And I said... Hey, man, how are y'all doing over there in Ames? I said, uh, how was college game day? Because that's you got to go back and, and listen to know yeah. like what sparked the whole thing. But uh, 
And guess what? It was radio silence. Well, and did here's you see my me bold antagonize him though? Did you see my antagon my yeah. antagonizing tweet with the Michael Jackson popcorn gift? <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, so it's radio silence now. A month ago, boy, I couldn't like I had to mute oh, the man, conversation. Really, I was getting hit really up mentions. so much. They were. So here's my bold prediction right now for Iowa State. You ready? Yeah, I'm here. I'm looking at their schedule, or I looked at it last night and how they're playing. They're going to be the 2000, I looked, it was 2000 Alabama Crimson Tide, who started the season ranked number three and didn't make a bowl game. Ooh, Iowa State bowl. started this season ranked number seven, I think. Yes, yeah, They were top, they were top 10. ten. They were top they were ten. Top 10. I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction that they will have started the season number seven and will end the season without being bowl eligible. There's your hot take for the Iowa State Cyclones. They are my overrated team of the week. Shout out to the Baylor Bears for putting them in their place. That's all I got for overrated. Man, I love it, man. Shout out Baylor Bears, man. That was my, my school I wanted to come to out of college, man. Legendary Clyde Hart uh, track program. Yeah. Anyways, uh, man, I feel bad for Iowa State, man. I was a big Matt Campbell guy. You remember, like, last offseason, yeah. everybody was clamoring for him to come to Ann Arbor. I was a big pro- – we were texting about that. Like, we, I was like, yeah. we need to go get Fickle or we need to go get uh, Matt Campbell. We might have danced the bullet. It looks like Harbaugh's got us on the right track. But my overrated, man, and I always feel like they're overrated. We've lived in Texas. And, man, this is, like, the most annoying fan base. I'm not even going to – they are the most annoying – Fan base. There's nothing. I I just don't like the school in general. But that is Texas A and M, man. I just I just have this thing against. Now I think the overrated partially trade would be you don't like, like this my, right my, here. <laughs> I hate it, bro. I hate the midnight yell. I hate the cadets. Like, excuse me. Hate's a strong word. I dislike all of that, bro. I hate the. I dislike the giggum sign. The the Aggie ring. It's like a cult. Like, it really is like a cult, man. I just don't like it at all, man. It, it's just like, ugh, ugh. It's just something about it, man. But I think they're overrated, bro. You know, and I like the legendary Jimbo Fisher, man. Shout out to Jimbo. Jimbo's done some great things. And, you know, but I feel like we say this. We've been saying this since Jimbo came to A&M. You know, it's always been like. Oh, is this going to be the year A&M kind of does it? They're going to mm-hmm. show why they belong. And, I mean, outside of the Manziel era, there really hasn't been, like, anything spectacular coming out of A&M. You know, and, I, and, and this is what I feel about them. I feel like they always kind of have some talent. Like, they got some players oh, sometimes. yeah. They got, like, I remember a kid I played against in high school. Sure. Jeff Fuller, the wide receiver. He came oh, out yeah. of McKinney. Yeah, McKinney man. Boyd. The dude was, yeah. yeah, McKinney Boyd. Um, 6'4". I mean, the kid's legit. I played against him in high school. Yeah. But it's like, man, they, they have all this talent, and you're just Kristen Kirk the last couple years, man. And it's just like, ah, uh, every year they kind of, eh, they just kind of lay a dud somewhere. And, you know, Jimbo's supposed to be known for his offensive genius, I believe. Like, he's supposed to be that guy. And it just never happens. And everything about a and I just, partially, I'm going to say it's my personal bias against them. They're just annoying to me. I don't like them. Like, I just, ugh, I don't want to go to Aggieland, none of that. It's just, especially if you live in Texas, you'll get it. So I just feel like A&M's overrated. I think what they just dropped Tell the game. To, they just dropped a game to you guys yesterday. They're probably going to drop two to three more. Like, it's the same thing. A&M's normally like a seven and five, eight and four team. Yeah. I can't hate on A&M too bad because they've owned us for the last decade. And, uh, you know, I think I think a way to summarize their fan base and their culture is it's 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 polarizing. Like you either you either love it and think it's great 
or you absolutely can't stand it and think it's the weirdest thing ever. Like, so you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's just a polarizing type fan base. So, all right, for, for sake of time, B. Holmes, we got to get to true minute drill. All right. Yes, sir. We've got five minutes here. We're going to try and keep this wrapped up. So your one minute's about to start. Uh, true minute drill this week is 100% focused on targeting. So right. just sound off on your just, – just get it off your chest. Targeting, s- start on the whistle, end on the buzzer. End on the buzzer. Here we go. All right, Blue Bloods, this is how I feel about targeting, man. I wholeheartedly believe in the safety of players, man. Being a high school football player myself, going through some of those things myself, you know, you want to protect the kids. But I don't feel like it's worth being expelled from the game and removed from the game. Listen, I know people should say you got to be more careful, but I don't think you guys are understanding how fast these athletes are moving. So you're asking a guy to make a decision to pull up, to contort his body in a way where it's really, you got a split second decision to decide if I'm going to blow this guy up or if I'm going to go after the ball. And most people say it's easy, but it's not. Being that high profile of an athlete moving that fast at that speed, trying to process information that quick, that is really really hard to do and so I think the committee needs to reevaluate this this whole rule is okay if it happens fine but I don't believe a kid should be eliminated from a game I think it's a 15-yard personal uh, foul penalty and you allow the kids to keep moving because it is virtually impossible to think about something that fast when you're playing a game that you're taught to just react okay good stuff I'm gonna get it going let's get it Okay, so I think my big take on it is just the consistency with how the call is being made. I feel like it's the most inconsistent rule or most inconsistent rulings on targeting throughout the college football landscape. On any given weekend, you could just have such a disparity in how the calls were made and how they were uh, decided. I semi-understand why the penalty is an ejection because... The idea is, obviously, you want to make the game safer, and you're trying to get behavior to change. So the way to get the behavior to change is to enforce a harsh consequence, which a 15-yard penalty may not do so. Now, could they look into how the different levels of what warrants an ejection versus what just warrants a 15-yarder? Absolutely. I just think what they need to get is more consistency in how the rule is enforced because it's starting to get like a charge block call in basketball where you're just like, Depending on who the ref is, it's, is this is this more subjective or is there an actual objective criteria that's um, being decided? I guess I'll finish that out. Got cut <laughs> off at the buzzer. That was it. B. Holmes, we're at we're at 57 minutes. In fact, one of our feedbacks on Apple was someone said they wanted our episodes to be longer. This so if you're someone who likes to sit and had. listen to an hour long episode, <laughs> here you go. If you'd rather just watch it in 10 minute segments. Stay tuned to our YouTube. That's all is. I've got, B. Holmes. That's all I got, man. Make, thank you guys for all you do. Make sure you like, subscribe, share. Hey, we're trying to double our subscribers this week, man. We're just going to be yes. honest about it. So, hey, subscribe if you haven't. Send it to some other people. Help us subscribe. We're blowing up. Check us out. Sports Illustrated, man. Today's a big Let's day for it. your boy, Brandon Holmes. We're going to try to get me in on the Sports Illustrated train. But other than that, thank you guys for your support. We love you. And until next week, peace. Peace. College football. I love March Madness, man, I love college.